Well, good afternoon, Blades fans. Uh, I will warn you, the next 20 minutes or so might well be a Billy Sharp appreciation show, or we'll see how we go anyway. My name's Steve Jones. I'm one of the star sports supporters. James Shields, our Blades correspondent. James, in all your years covering the club, have you ever known a better striker at the lane? Uh, than Billy Sharp? Uh, no. He's... Uh, <laughs> no. In a, in a word, is that the end of the podcast? Can we yeah, say cut there and, and, and finish it? No, no. Uh, I mean, five goals in his last five games. Billy turned 36 at the weekend. He's showing no signs of, of slowing down. He's the, the leading goal scorer at the football club. Uh, he's, he's breaking records left, right and centre. And he's like a, a bottle of fine wine, isn't he? He just seems to get better with age. I think the only thing that Billy Billy Sharp needs to uh, needs to achieve this season is uh, is be handed a new contract, is to uh, is to to learn that his his deal is going to be extended for at least another twelve months. The way Billy's going, you wouldn't actually uh, bet against him being around for the next next couple of years would you let alone uh, let alone 12 months but i'm sure we'll get into into some of the reasons for that later on but no in in, in short steve in in terms of pure raw finishing ability no billy sharp is by far and away the best striker that i've certainly seen uh in my years covering sheffield united yeah it's quite rare for any player regardless of position to have that sort of connection with a football club as well in this day and age isn't it as well, the, the way that the fans are well he is a fan isn't he he's one of them mm. yeah and i mean football is becoming sort of increasingly corporate isn't it i know paul heckingbottom touched on that uh before the the match against west bromwich Albion. it's something that he's not keen on and it was quite interesting to hear him sort of talk about how his time up in in scotland with with hibs had had reminded him of the importance of a, of a football club sort of being able to to represent its community and not placing barriers between its between itself and it, and its uh, support base, you know, and he feels that the game in Scotland is is a lot less corporate than perhaps it is in the uh, the upper echelons of the of the English pyramid. I don't think that's probably the case further down, but certainly, I think it is becoming a growing trend in the in the Premier League and also in the uh, in the Championship. But I think. I think one of the things that I really like about what's happening to, to Billy at the moment, other than the fact that his goals are, are obviously firing Sheffield United closer to the to the playoff positions, is that this has been a, a sort of a real triumph of perseverance as much as anything else. Because one of the things that it's easy to forget is that Billy, this is Billy's third spell with Sheffield United. It's by far and away his most successful spell as well. The other two, I mean, the first one... Listen, he was a young player at the time. I think Sheffield United had some good strikers. I know eyebrows were raised when when United allowed him to join Scunthorpe uh, because of you know the things that the academy staff were saying about him at the time. All of those things have come true, by the way. Kevin uh, Kevin Fogg and Ron Reid, in particular, I think have always you know were always great judges of of players. I can remember Ron telling me about a certain Kyle Walker that he was he was destined for for England recognition and that turned out to be true didn't it they were surprised when he went but Billy came back and even then second time around it didn't go particularly well for him I thought I, 
I don't think that was, you know, really sort of through any lack of ability. He was Billy was more of a victim of sort of circumstance and maybe even a personality clash with with some managers at the time. But he's he's kept on coming back, which I think has shown a a real desire to to achieve something with Sheffield United. He's done that now. He's he's, he's achieved two promotions with the club that he grew up supporting as a as a boy. And you wouldn't bet against him achieving a third, would you? No, not at all. I, I remember doing a story on Billy with uh, Ron Reed and John Warnock. Mm. Um, I think it was John who agreed the, the price with Rotherham when Billy was 12, £5,000, which when you actually put that into context, I mean, Christ, he's paid that over several times over, hasn't he? I mean, you could say even those goals last night have, have probably paid that £5,000 fee. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And joking aside... <laughs> joking aside I bet Paul Warren at Rotherham is is desperately trying to find out who allowed Billy Sharp to walk out of the building, even at that age for five grand. I think Paul, you know, as well as they're doing at the New York Stadium at the moment, he, there's somebody there if they're still around at the football club, he's going to want a word with. I think because you just imagine what what Billy, if they'd have known what they knew then, what what they might have asked for Billy. But no, I think the the other great thing. The other, the other really sort of interesting part of Billy's story, especially over the past 12 months, is that what he's doing, what he's achieving, it just goes to show that football is actually a game of intelligence. It's a game for, for clever players. It's a game for mentally cute players. You hear so often now talk about athletes, and athleticism and yes all of that is important because obviously they've got to be able to run around for for 90 minutes you know sort of twice a week in the in the championship especially that these players have got to be fit but i think what often gets lost is the fact that they've got to be skilled players as well they've got to be able to think their way through a game that's what the best players do that's what's increasingly getting lost with some of this sort of modern breed of coaches who, as I say, talk about athletes rather than footballers. Ultimately, this game comes down to being able to to uh, sort of be in the right place at the right time, to be able to manipulate a football, to be able to make the right runs, to be able to sort of, you know, counteract what an opponent is doing, to be able to read an opponent's mind, to be able to read one of your teammates' minds, to be able to understand tactics, to be able to understand patterns of play and to be able to make a difference with your mind. And that's what Billy's doing because we sat down with him a couple of weeks ago when he made this point about wanting to know whether he's going to get a new deal or not. And personally, I don't understand the delay. I don't think it's, you know, beyond... If Listen, if we can put a man on the moon, a football club can sit down with a player and his agent and say, listen, yeah, we want you to stay next season. I understand the argument about we don't know which division United are going to be in yet. And, of course, there's a a, a huge difference between the finance that, you know, that's on offer in the Premier League and the finance that's on offer in the Championship. But as I say, I don't think it's impossible for the club to be able to sit down with a player and say, we want you to be here next season. We've got a 12-month option on your contract. You're on this now. Listen, do you know what? We might not be able to afford to pay you what we've got there, but we might better do this, this, this and this. That's what you're going to be on if you're in the uh, if we're in the Premier League next year. How about it? 
So hopefully that gets done. Hopefully that gets sorted. And I don't believe for one minute that any other player in that dressing room, and there's quite a few who are out of contract, would raise an eyebrow if Billy's deal gets done first. Because players aren't stupid. They all know what he means to the football club. They all know how important he is to the football club. And they all know the chances are that when they're all long gone, Billy will either still be working for the football club or, or will be coming back either to watch or he'll be there working in some capacity. Players aren't daft. They they know that. They, they'll accept that. So hopefully this deal gets done. But I think it's just great to see a player who has made a lot of sacrifices in terms of how he looks after himself, what he does in, in his personal life to make himself a better player. And also is showing that he's able to think his way through a game, excelling, you know, at, the, at this time of his career. Don't look at the age, look at what the player's doing. There's a big chance now, obviously, with David McGoldrick going off injured the other night, that we might actually get to see Billy and Daniel Jebison partnering each other up front, which that sounds pretty exciting, just from the fact that not just young and old, but this is a, a young academy graduate coming in next to or alongside, like you say, arguably the club's one of the club's best ever strikers. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because just a couple of weeks ago, and myself included, you know, we we were talking about. I was writing about the need to to trim some of the strikers out of the squad. You know, I mean, you were almost falling over centre forwards whenever you turned up at Sheffield United's training complex when when we were allowed in briefly because of all the the COVID shenanigans that is. And now, with David McGoldrick limping out of the game against West Brom, suddenly Sheffield United look really light on strikers. So, yeah, I think Daniel Jebison is going to get an opportunity. I can remember saying last week, I, I mean, Daniel was going to get an opportunity anyway, because if Sheffield United weren't going to play him, I don't see there was any point in bringing him back from the from the loan spell that he was, uh, he was going through at, at Burton Albion. But I'm guessing now maybe that might be, you know, might be brought forward a little bit. The likelihood of him starting more games, possibly, rather than just appearing in them, has, has probably risen. But again, to take it back to Billy Sharp, as you said, Steve, who would you rather have alongside Daniel Jebison, teaching him, you know, the ropes of the game, passing on little words of advice, making sure that, you know, he knows how to manage his career off the pitch as, as well as on it, than Billy Sharp? Ollie McBurney, who's there, I still think will have a, a big role to play this season. I still think he's a better player than a lot of people give him credit for. But again, going back to what I was just saying a couple of minutes ago, I think even Ollie McBurney would admit that the best role model for someone like Daniel Jebison, although I'm sure Ollie chips in, is Billy Sharp. By all accounts, uh, Ollie McBurney played quite well off the bench the night. Well, he's a good player. He's a good player, and things haven't always gone as well for Ollie as he as he would have liked at Bramall Lane. I still maintain that he's more than paid back the the transfer fee that Sheffield United paid for him. I don't subscribe to this idea that he's been a failure at Sheffield United because his goals helped keep Sheffield United in the Premier League the season after they came up. So, you know, he's he's earned them or helped earn the football club more than hundred million quid there. So. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't understand that argument at all. I can understand where people are coming from. It's just not an argument that I, I agree with. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people out there sort of screaming at their, their computer screens or their mobile phones as I'm saying this. But no, I think Ollie McBurney 
is going to be a big player for the football club. I did think he did well coming off the, the bench last night. And, you know, Ollie bring does bring a physical edge to the attack. So does Billy, actually, to be honest. And so does Daniel and so does David McGoldrick, all in different ways. The one thing that I really do desperately hope, though, and in a sense, I think Ollie has sacrificed a lot of himself, actually, particularly when Sheffield United were in the Premier League. I just hope we get a chance to see Ollie McBurney between now and the end of the season playing a role that Ollie McBurney would like to play because he's been asked to do something very differently at Sheffield United than he did at Swansea, his previous club. He's been asked to become this sort of target man, not a traditional target man, but you, you know where I'm coming from. And uh, I think he can do that, but I think it takes away from a lot of the things that, that Ollie's really good at. But credit to Ollie as well that he's, you know, he's, he's performed that role and he's never really publicly complained about. I'm sure there's bits of it he doesn't really enjoy, to be honest. I but, guess you could say, sorry to interrupt you there, but no, no, no. Perhaps his ideal role is that in that number nine role that, that Sharp's currently occupying, where it's the onus is perhaps a little bit more just on scoring goals or, or beating that last man rather than uh, being a link between midfield and attack. Yeah, maybe so. The, the the one thing, though, that is absolutely certain, and you've got a great example coming up this weekend. Sheffield United played West Brom on Wednesday. Huge game in the, in the battle for the playoff positions or the battle to get into them, I should say. No disrespect here to West Brom. No slight intended, even though lots of people get sort of very emotionally charged whenever you suggest that their football club isn't the second coming of Barcelona. But <laughs> West Brom play quite a direct style, as you would have expected with a, with a team with, with Andy Carroll up top. They've got some really good footballers, but they're, they're very direct. They play to their strengths. Well done to them for that. They will try and bully you into submission, which is what they did with Sheffield United earlier this season. Couple of, a few days later, Sheffield United will go into a game against Huddersfield Town. Again, a hugely important race, a match in the race for the playoffs. Huddersfield will probably try and pass them to death. <laughs> so, Sheffield United are going to have to win games between now and the end of the season. They're going to have to win games in different ways as well. I don't think there's another... I can't think of another division in Europe, actually, where the... There's such a, a contrast in styles between, you know, the, all of the teams in one division. And so to be able to have players who can bring different things to the table, like Ollie McBurney, hopefully he's going to be a, a real, real boost for him. Yeah. Seven wins out of ten now. Obviously, that, that's incredible by any team's standards, really. What do you put this sort of turnaround down to, James? Is, is there one thing? Is it all Paul Heckenbottom? I know, obviously, we can talk about Stuart McCall, Jack Lester, but... What do you think has, has perhaps been that spark? Uh, I mean, listen, Paul Heckingbottom, Stuart McCall and Jack Lester, because don't forget him. Don't want to give Stuart McCall any more ammunition because apparently he's given him a hell of a lot of stick behind this. I'm not going to sing, by the way, but <laughs> Stuart has given him a lot of stick behind the scenes. The fact that his name has been lopped off, the uh, the chant that, that Sheffield United fans like to sing about him and Paul Eckingbottom now. Now, of course, they've got to take a, an awful lot of credit for, for what's going on at the moment. But ultimately, football boils down to players as well. And I think you're seeing a couple of, or, or, or a few things, I should say, all coming together here now. 
I've said before, I think Paul Heckingbottom was under a lot less pressure to be able to change what Sheffield United, or he didn't feel the same pressure to be able to change, you know, to change what Sheffield United were doing in the same way that Slavisi Kanovic did when, when he came into the football club. So he's gone back to something that was a little bit, that is a little bit more familiar uh, to the squad that he inherited. I think Paul knew them as well, because obviously he had a spelling caretaker charge last season. You hear players saying that obviously training again has become a little bit more familiar in terms of the intensity. Uh, they they, they recognise that from the from the Chris Wilder era at the football club. So I think there's there's things that the coaching staff have done there. But also, I just think it boils down to the fact now that Sheffield United as a squad have, have got their confidence back. I still think there's issues that need addressing within the, the team going forward. That's not a dig. That's not being miserable. That's not, you know, sort of oh, everything's terrible or trying to look on the, you know, the, the dark side of things all the time. That's just being constructive. And I still think there are issues that need dealing with at the, at the football club and to prevent Paul from running into some of the same problems that his two most immediate predecessors ran into. But I just think Sheffield United, they've, they've finally got over that hangover of, of relegation, the manner that they were they were relegated in. And I just think they've finally remembered as well that they're, they're, they're good footballers. Mm. Three it's games. Amazing, amazing what a difference confidence can make, isn't it? So, you know, we were talking earlier about Billy Sharp, you know, using the power of the mind. And most of what happens, I think, on a football pitch, much, you know, it's so much is decided, you know, between the years, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I know it sounds like an obvious point to make, but the whole mood around the football club just seems totally transformed. I wanted to ask you. Obviously, United have got three games in hand on Blackburn in third. They win all of those, are up to fifty-four points, which takes them potentially just one point behind Bournemouth in second. I know Bournemouth themselves have got a game in hand on Blackburn. Is at this stage? I mean, first of all, that's absolutely crazy. But is um, is automatic promotion? Is that realistic, do you think, or is it the onus just to, on getting in those playoff spots for now and seeing what happens? Well, I, I, I think, I mean, listen, without trying to sound like a sort of going into cliched manager speak, I mean, the priority at the moment is just win the next game, isn't it? That's that's stating mm -hmm. the, the bleeding obvious. I think the first, after that, Sheffield United have just got to try and make sure that they qualify for the playoffs. Uh I personally think automatic. I hope. I desperately hope I'm wrong, and I hope I can come on one of these these podcasts in a, in a few months' time and say yes, I was wrong. I, I do think automatic. I mean, it's a possibility, which, as you said, Steve, is just ridiculous. I do think it's, it'd probably just be a little bit beyond them. Uh, I I just think the. My only fear, I, I, I still think Sheffield United will finish in the top six, I'll say that. But what they've got to, and what people have got to not lose sight of, though, is that this division at the moment, it's almost like trying to run through quicksand, isn't it? Because as, as well as Sheffield United are doing, as ridiculous this run that they're on at the moment is, they're still 10th in the, in the table. So although the points differential... Is, is very, very small. 
there's still traffic for them to go through before they get into that into that top six. So <laughs> they've just got to keep winning. They've, they've just got to keep their heads. They've got to not panic if they have a little setback because there'll probably be a couple of those along the way. But it's just that it's that traffic they've got to get through. That that's why I think automatic might just be a little bit beyond them. Yeah. Uh, but you 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 never know because as you said that you know Sheffield United they've got games in hand on the on the teams above them in the table. It's a really tough running, but in a sense, and I, I talked to Paul about this uh, the other night. Although they've got some really tough games coming up, the very fact that they are playing the likes of Huddersfield this weekend, they've just beaten West Brom, they've got Middlesbrough coming up, they've got Blackburn coming up, they've got Nottingham Forest coming up. Most of those games are, are at home. I, I think it's a real positive for them because if they can win those games, it will help them sort of negotiate their way through some of that, that traffic that I've just talked about because otherwise... They could have found themselves in a position where they just kept on winning games and going nowhere. But if they win some of those matches, you know, you will see them, I think, start to start to burst through the pack. Yeah, I suppose it's quite strange to think that you could win uh, the next game and potentially move up four, maybe even five places in the table. It's um, it's that close. Is this, um, in terms of, well, this could be, as we know, a really, really exciting end to the season. Can you remember a season like this? Yeah, well, yeah. To be honest, in 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 different ways. <laughs> I mean, the the season when when Sheffield United went up in 2019, it, it wasn't wasn't quite the same as this, but it was equally as as exciting. That dogfight with with Leeds and and for a while Norwich City as well. Uh, although they they ended up obviously going up quite comfortably, I think in 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 first position. But in terms of the I do get where you're coming from, Steve. Yeah, in terms of the sheer volume, the sheer number of teams who are all in with a with a shout here. I think it's been a long time. Certainly, it's been uh, it's been a hell of a long time. And it was interesting to hear Paul say after the match against West Brom, you know, I'm I'm not going to talk about us. He said as as being serious promotion contenders. I think he did go on to do that, by the way. But you knew where he was coming from because he said, "Listen, there's probably 14 other managers out there." Who will all be sticking their hands up as I'm saying that? So, well, we are, we are too, and he's he's not wrong. Yeah, it does promise to be a really exciting few weeks. That's it for this week. Um, we've got Huddersfield on Saturday, so make sure you stay up to date with all the latest stories from Bramall Lane at the star.co.uk forward slash Sheffield United. Cheers.